Welcome to podcasts recorded live at the Center for Spiritual Living in Portland, Oregon. Listen past the end of the podcast to find out more about our spiritual center and ways that you may collaborate with us. Happy Sunday, everyone. Glad you're joining us today. As you know, this month we're working our way through Pima Chodron's book, Welcoming the Unwelcome. And we started out with the topic of what it means to be in our comfort zone, and that that had both a positive effect of, well, being comfortable, uh, but also had a negative effect, that of kind of being bound into the same old, same old, that, that if we're too reliant on our comfort zone, we tend to not make progress. We tend to not make new friends or, or have greater success. We tend to really be bound by what has gone before. And so last week we talked a little bit about that idea that principle is not bound by precedence, that we have the ability always to see with fresh eyes, to move forward. In fact, we talked a little bit last week about the idea of labeling and turning it over to our subconscious that so often we'll label something as negative from the get-go and our subconscious just goes with that. We, We unconsciously start seeking out the negative. If we label something as a rainy day, we're gonna see rain. If we label things as a difficult conversation, you can expect some difficulty because we'll literally seek it out without even being aware of it. Well, today I want to talk a little bit more about this idea of the comfort zone for a very important reason. You know, there's an arbiter of our comfort zone. There's a, I don't know what you want to call it, a head honcho of our comfort zone. And I call that the ego. Pima Children in her book really talks uh, about dismissing the ego as best we can. I don't want to go that far, and I'll explain why. I think our ego actually exists for a pretty valid reason. It is our ego that tends to keep us safe. And in fact, I, I wrote down some characteristics of our ego that I think are pretty important, and I would hate to give these up. So first of all, our ego presides resiliency. It's kind of how we define ourselves, right? So if people are are pushing against us, our ego is what allows us to stand tall and say, this is what I believe in. This is who I am. This is how I wish to be treated. And so without our ego, we might tend to be more the doormat type where other people dictate what we're supposed to do or how we're supposed to behave. It is our ego that allows us to stand tall and recognize in ourselves the ability to stand firm in our truth. But uh, it also, therefore, can lead to rigidity, right? That's when you stick to a version of the truth, even if the world has moved on, even if it's maybe time to change. Sometimes our ego, of course, will cling to things the way they used to be, even if it is time to change. Our ego, though, also provides us safety by deflecting and acting as a kind of that that judge that keeps negativity away. So sometimes you might get the vibe from someone that just isn't safe, and you're going to stay out of that person's way. Sometimes uh, it's our ego that, that is clued into a bad business deal or something that just doesn't seem quite right, and our ego can trigger that mechanism of us backing away, us, us uh, standing firm and, and not putting ourselves in danger. Of course, the negative potential there, too, 
is that we may miss opportunities. If we judge something to be not for us simply because it's different, simply because we haven't encountered it before, that can represent then a negative way of, uh, of being in the world. It can represent us actually turning down or overlooking an opportunity. The final way that the ego can be helpful is that it really helps us to define what's important to me versus just what is interesting or what's important to the world. Our ego is there almost always as the judge. This is good for me. This is not so good for me. This is what I like. This is not what I like. And again, of course, this has its pluses and minuses. It, it's judging what we like based on what we have historically liked, right? And so the trouble is, uh, uh, maybe I'm going to miss out on something. Uh, how many people here, in, f- in fact, how many people, when you go to one of your favorite restaurants, almost always order the same thing? Or maybe there's one or two things on the menu, and you always order one of those. Yeah, I know. I know, right? Well, that's our ego doing that. Our ego has discovered, oh my gosh, the mashed potatoes here are amazing, or or whatever it is that you really like. And so that's a good thing, right? You're going to have a good meal when you go to that restaurant. But what if there are two or three things on the menu you've never had that you might even like better? right? So that's our ego at work as well. It's, it's ensuring that we have a good time. It's ensuring what's pleasing to us, but it can narrow our choices. It can mean that we're going to miss out on something even better, our, our sort of evolution. And it works not only, of course, when we're eating out, but it works around our circle of friends. It works around our opportunities at work. It, it, uh, it really is present in all areas of our life, Our ego keeps us in that place of good enough. And sometimes the good enough even has a fair amount of suffering in it. Have you known people who who cling to a certain way of being or a certain way of doing things even when it doesn't actually work out all that well for them. Well, it's their, their ego that's doing that. The ego is directing their unconscious and their subconscious to make some of the same questionable choices over and over again. Why? Because it's familiar. Not because it's necessarily good, but the ego is the arbiter of the familiar. The ego is what brings you the same results over and over again. It's on that unconscious or subconscious side of our, of our minds, and so it just engages itself when we don't take conscious action. And so, of course, the, the main point of today's talk is the more conscious we are, the more we really evaluate the choices we make, the more we evaluate how we are in the world, even our view of ourselves, the more conscious that is, of course, the more open to opportunity we will be, the more open to greater success, greater friendships, more love, more life, that, that spiritual evolution and the, the evolution of us in the world as well dependent on us not just allowing our ego to keep our world the same size that it has always been. Now I have a, I have a tip for you on, the, on, on egos, because sometimes people will say, well, you know, Larry, how can I tell the difference 
between my intuition, which often has really great information, and my ego, that, that also sometimes has good information, but, but also might be holding me back. You know, it's, it's still the same voice in my head, right? <laughs> How do I tell the difference? Well, I, I would suggest to you that it's easier than what you think. Your intuition is based in love, and your ego is based in safety. So if the voice is saying something like, oh, you fool, don't take a chance on that, does that sound like love? It sounds like safety. If that voice in your head says, uh, oh my goodness, I wouldn't take a bet on that business deal, you could be in ruins by, by the time the first quarter is out. Does that sound like love? See, I think the the decision process here, if we're aware of it, if we're conscious of making the decision, is actually easier than it might be. If the voice says, you should try this, it could be fun. Doesn't that sound like love? If the voice inside you should say, wow, you've never tried that on the menu before, give it a try. What's the worst that can happen? That's the voice of love giving you that intuition to try something new, to be a little different in the world, to step outside of your comfort zone, but not in a threatening way, in a life-affirming way, a way that might bring greater love, greater uh, enjoyment of the world to you. So next time your, your urge is to take an action or to, to move forward in a course of activity, or maybe, maybe the reverse, maybe your initial reaction is to withdraw or step back. Now that's your ego, right? That's your subconscious. That's your, your unconscious uh, uh, just going into gear and acting on your behalf. But maybe that should be the signal for you to ask a question. Is this really what I want to do? Is this my ego making this decision? Or is it my loving intuition? And if you're not sure, ask a few questions. If I did this thing, what's the best that can happen? What's the worst that can happen? You'll, you'll begin that sense of, am I doing this or not doing this out of fear? Or am I doing this really because I love myself enough to step out of the comfort zone and try something new? I think if you put it in those terms, am I doing this out of fear? Am I doing this out of love? You will have a great opportunity of moving forward. I want to quote something from the book before we move on. Pavement Chodron relates this story. She says, like all sentient beings, I have an ongoing moment-by-moment experience. My five senses experience the sights, the sounds, the smells, the tastes, the tactile sensations, and my mind responds to them. It uh, experiences the thoughts and emotions. This is not a problem at all. This is what being alive is truly like. It's an amazing and a wondrous blessing. But there's also a part where I keep identifying myself as the one who's having these experiences. And this is turned into the illusion of a fixed entity for which the last few decades I've thought of as Pima Chodron. With this feeling of a solid and unchanging experiencer, I've become stuck. 
I find myself in this situation where it's Pima Chodron against her experience or Pima Chodron in favor of her experience. And from these basic reactions, all kind of intense emotions, harmful actions, mistakes, and painful results can arise. You see, don't we change over time? What was good for us yesterday, do we know that it's good for us today? The, the choices we made in the past based on the sensations that we had a, a year ago, uh, two years ago, 25 years ago, right? Am I still that same person? Am I? I remember one time my mom and I went on vacation, uh, me fully adult. In fact, I think it was shortly after my 30th birthday, my mom and I went out. She wanted to go to Disney World. And and, and of course, we did have a good bit of fun there. Uh, But I remember within about 30 seconds, she could say something. And I would feel like I was nine years old again, right? She was calling forth in me, well, right? She was doing it, right? Shall we laugh a little bit about that? It was me allowing myself to fall into an old pattern of how I was with my mother from childhood, even though I'm fully an adult, even though we were really, in some ways, two friends experiencing this vacation together. She would say something, and suddenly I would be transported through what? Through the little boy ego to being about nine or ten years. Now we have the chance to move beyond that. There is something in you that is always fresh, always ready to move on, always loving yourself enough to experience life from that fresh perspective. Now we're going to talk about that a whole lot more next week on Easter. But I want you to get used to the idea that you are not fixed in concrete. Your ego may tend to have you making the same choices, believing the same things, thinking the same things are right and the same things are wrong. But what I know about each one of you, you can experience newness. There can be more love for you, more opportunities for you, more capabilities for you than what you have ever been before. That principle of life is not bound by the precedent of what has gone before. In every instance, you can make a choice that affirms you right in this moment, not the way you were yesterday, not the way you were five years ago, and certainly not the way you were when you were nine years old. So often our ego leads us into the path of safety from the past, but we, we can choose differently. Now, last week we talked about this idea of labeling, and I want to suggest to you that your ego has even labeled you. To that part of you that is your ego, there is a label about what you like and what you don't like. There's a label of what you're capable of and what you're not capable of. That little voice in your head that sometimes says, Larry, you're just stupid, or or, Larry, you're getting old, or whatever it is, that is your ego labeling you. And as we learned last week about labels is it's that engaging the unconscious part of us that then acts out those labels, that begins treating us like the label. And so when that voice in my head says, oh, Larry, gosh, get a clue. What a dumb thing to do. 
I start acting upon that. The unconscious part of me starts treating myself with that label. And I start finding all kinds of places where I fall short of the mark, where I do make mistakes, where I'm clumsy or whatever it might be. And you know what? As far as it goes, it may be true in those minor instances, but that is not who I am. And more important than that, that is not who I choose to be. And so not only, as we learned last week, do we begin need to changing the labels of how we view the exterior world, it's time to change the labels about how we view ourselves. Pima Chodron suggests just throw it out the window. Throw out the labels. The labels are only there likely to limit you to a version of yourself that has existed before. Now, I may not go that far. I don't want to throw out some of the safety things that the ego brings to us. But I would suggest that anytime we have thoughts about ourselves, anytime we have thoughts about the world, let us evaluate that for its reality of what we want, not what has gone before, but what we would like to see. If we see limitation in ourselves, let's dismiss that label. Let's see our potential as unlimited. Let's begin a new cheering section. If I'm going to have voices in my head, let them be cheerleaders, not naysayers, not not voices that tear me down and label me as inferior. Each one of us has such surprising and wondrous capabilities. You know, in the in the Bible it says that we're made in the image of God. And what that means to me is that all the capabilities, all the possibilities for love and life and joy and peace and abundance, all the, all the grand success and all the, the perfect relationships that we can ever imagine in spirit, in God, I have that ability as well. It's my birthright. It's who I am because I am made out of God's stuff and in God's image. If I want to give myself a label, that should be it, right? I'm capable. I'm lovable. Success is mine. There is good for me and I shall have it. And so you can tell, no doubt, that this is leading into a bit of homework this week. And and, uh, so so I'll, I'll come out with it. The homework that I would like you to have this week, and I think you can see where this is coming from, Next time you're in a position of making a pronouncement, either about yourself, about some way of life, something that's going on, and you can notice this, our our ego tends to be a bit of a drama king or a drama queen. And so if you find yourself coming out with a reaction that seems a little oversized, like, wait a minute, this was just whether your room was clean or not. Why why am I clenching my teeth and why are my my hands... uh, forming into fists, right? Uh, what, where's that reaction coming from? So if you, if you have a, a, in particular, I would say, a negative reaction to something that's going on, this is the perfect time to begin that series of questions around, wait a minute, is this reaction from my ego? Is this trying to somehow keep me safe or keep me in a pattern that I've experienced before? Or is this really my intuition? Is this being coming about because of love? 
I think more often than not, you will discover your ego is trying to ratchet down your world into a sense of control or a sense of sameness. And if that is true, I want you to put your full conscious attention into it. Don't just let your your ego allow you to make it another version of the past. Bring yourself fully forward and ask yourself, does it really matter how the dishwasher is loaded? Does it really matter whether someone cut me off on the freeway? Does it really matter if my my neighbor did something that uh, that I think was wrong or or somehow is junking up the neighborhood? Is it in me to somehow be the arbiter of other people? Or is that my ego wanting to keep things the same out of fear of newness and difference? Now, you may discover, too, that sometimes that strong emotion is positive. You feel pulled forward into some business decision, or you feel your heart opening up to a new person or a new experience. You know, there's your intuition. There's that that force of love guiding you forward into something wonderful. So these are the things that I'd like you to look for this week. I think it'll be easy to identify those outsized negative reactions, those almost 100% percent of the time are your ego trying to keep you safe and using fear as the tool heightening heightening it to where it feels like oh my god i'm gonna die if the dishwasher isn't loaded the way i usually load it oh my gosh something terrible is gonna happen if the neighbor parks their car on the street for the whole weekend right and when you feel that sense of drama oh my gosh it's your ego Nothing bad is really going to happen. Now it's time to bring your consciousness to the problem or the issue. And maybe turn it over to that sense of love. What would love do in this situation rather than fear? So that's your homework for the week. I'd like to close with another quote from the book. It's funny. She talks in the book about her, uh, the difficulty and the trouble she had going through a divorce with her husband. But she says also later in the book that maybe the true divorce that she needed to go through was divorcing herself from the fixed idea of who she was. And so let me read from the the ending chapter here of Pema Chodron's Welcoming the Unwelcome. She says, Our journey toward living without ego is to learn how to let go, how to relax, how to take a chance, how to wait and see sometimes, and never ever sum ourselves up. This is our path which we can keep working on every day to the best of our current ability. And this is what I've set out to do for myself in order to divorce myself from myself. It's a friendly divorce and one that I know will take a while. But for sure, I don't want to waste another lifetime taking this current, very fleeting, very fragile persona so darn seriously. Let us pray. There is one power, one presence, one life and one love. There is only this one thing, and and I am made in its image. God's love is my love. God's joy is my joy. The abundance, the sweetness, the balance, the goodness of the universe, it's mine through my birthright. 
And as it is true for me, it is true for everyone. When we put aside our ideas of what should be, when we put aside our ideas of what has gone before and and truly allow our hearts and our minds to open up to the, the glory of God, oh my gosh, are there any limits? If there are, there are only limits that I've imposed on myself that my ego has done to keep me small. Well, today I say nonsense. Today I open my heart, I open my mind to experience the fullness of God, making new choices, allowing my intuition to guide me forward in love. And for this, for this I'm so very grateful. For this I recognize each one of us gets to be that that connection to pure spirit guiding us forward in love always. And so I release my prayer into the action, into the, into the activity of God itself, that God always saying yes, always on our side, always backing us up, that God truly, whose pleasure it is to give us the keys of the kingdom, I let it be, and together we say, and so it is. Well, thank you so much for being here today. It's my pleasure to have you here with us every Sunday. I would like to invite you perhaps to, uh, to share some of your good with us. Our expenses here at the center, of course, move on, even though we're uh, mostly shuttered to the public uh, in order to provide our, our weekly services, in order to provide the, the Zoom meetings and the so many offerings we have. We do have a regular set of bills. And so, gosh, it would be my honor to receive your gift to uh, apply it to our mortgage, our bills, and so forth. It has been a somewhat difficult year for the center for spiritual living. And it really would be my pleasure to invite you to to have a greater ownership here. So I bless you for your gifts. I bless everyone that has made donations possible, that has created our ability to be online with you during the pandemic. I bless you and I thank you. We do have a a variety of ways you can give. Go to cslportland.org slash donate and you'll see that you can mail in a check. We have a tithely program that you can use from mobile devices. Of course, you can donate online when you go to our website as well through PayPal and credit cards. Honestly, I I really want to thank you, those who have given in the past and those who are logging on to give today and in the future as well. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you happen to be in the Portland, Oregon area, we'd love to have you visit in person. The Portland Center for Spiritual Living is located at 6211 Northeast Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard. We have inspirational services at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. every Sunday. We also have many programs, classes, and workshops developed just for our online audience. To find out more, go to our website at cslportland.org and look under the Online tab. We have a variety of content dedicated specifically for our podcast listeners. Our mission is to open hearts, ignite minds, and make a difference. If you'd like to support our center and its podcasts, you can donate online at cslportland.org slash donate. Our website is also the place to learn more about what's going on at the center or to contact us. Allow us to become part of your extended spiritual community 
Wherever you are on your spiritual journey, you are most welcome at the Center for Spiritual Living.